Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast. I'm Jack Murley, and this week, myself and co-host, professional rugby player Charlie Beckett, are breaking down WrestleMania backlash as the Bloodline come out on top over RK Bro and Drew McIntyre, and Ronda Rousey emerges triumphant as a new SmackDown Women's Champion. We're asking how important Roman Reigns is to WWE amid speculation over changes to his contract and potentially leaving the company altogether. We're having our minds blown by that Darby Allen ladder bump, we're discussing whether MJF is still the best thing in wrestling today, and talking bake-off, boiling water taps, and so much more, right now, on Earning the Push. Yeah, I think it was the best of what it could have been with the card it had and the lack of build. I think we all knew it wasn't going to be WrestleMania-esque, it wasn't going to be Money in the Bank, SummerSlam, anything like that. It was very much a B pay-per-view, won't call it a premium live event. And it, it, it was very decent, I thought. Cody and Seth was brilliant. I actually thought it was probably a little bit better than their Mania match. It didn't have the gravitas of the moment of um, Cody returning. It wasn't in front of 80,000, obviously. But I actually thought that was probably a better match, which was a hard thing to do because their Mania match was brilliant. So the actual in-ring wrestling w- was good. It was a very decent show. It was, I, I enjoyed watching it. I think it was one of those things that, that felt like a good, solid meal. You go to a restaurant, you sit down, someone brings you that card and that action, you go, yeah, I've been well fed, it was great. But you tell your mates where you've been, none of them are going to be jealous that they weren't there. It was sort of better than fine, but nothing that people are going to be going back to watch in years to come. It was like you you weren't going to a Mission Star restaurant. It wasn't any special event, but it was like you popped into Nando's and you're having your Nando's and I don't know, you went, oh, I didn't realise how much I fancied this, but I've actually enjoyed it a bit more than I thought I would. But you go and tell someone, oh, I went Nando's the weekend. And they're not going to be like, oh, we best rush to Nando's. I'm like, oh, that's nice. Maybe I'll go to Nando's soon. I think the biggest problem this card had is that there were quite a lot of people quite invested in wrestling. I was seeing on my timeline going, oh, is it is it WrestleMania Backlash this weekend? I mean, people, it, it was the definition of missable. That said, if you did sit down and watch it, I thought the main event was exactly what you were always going to get from a WWE six-man tag featuring teams of the quality of RK-Bro and Drew McIntyre and the Bloodline. Really enjoyed it. Didn't see my prediction come true of Drew pinning Roman. Of course, it was always going to be Riddle who took the fall. Yeah, and that is, that's not a uh, disdain on Riddle because it's very good people in that match and someone has to. And they have if Drew's going to go after Rome. They've got to protect him. And Randy's in the on the run of his life at the moment, so they're going to protect him. But yeah, a lot, a lot of fun. The Bloodline are just brilliant, aren't they? They, and then you see the promos they're cutting, and obviously all this Roman teasing of is he leaving, is he not? Which is very interesting. It's that coming out of anywhere. Uh, and then you see on his Instagram the three and a half minute promo to camera he cuts in the gym. They're just they are on a different level at the moment. That that stable. We'll talk more about Roman in a bit. I wonder if the Bloodline have the new record that they've taken from The Undertaker of longest entrance in professional wrestling. Next time they come to the ring for a pay-per-view, I'm going to see whether or not I can soft-boil an egg in the time it takes from their music to hit for them to get there because it does go... They they really drink in that whole atmosphere. I think Sean Ross Sapp tweeted that it was a nine and a half minutes, which is some going. That is some going. It's unbelievable, and yet it works. And this version of Roman is is so good. But as you say, how long? 
are we getting this version of Roman Reigns in WWE 4? The rumour and speculation is that he signed a new contract that will mean he'll be at the pay-per-views, but not necessarily at house shows or as many TVs. And when we saw Roman Reigns cut that promo caught on a camera phone at a house show in Trenton, New Jersey, saying, I may not be back here again, the whole wrestling world's heart sort of stopped for a moment, thinking, this could be trouble. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because... He's at the absolute peak, the absolute pinnacle of what you can do in professional wrestling. He's on the run of his life. So you you immediately think, why would you go out then? But why wouldn't you go out then as well? If, if Hollywood is the next step, which I think we all think it is, he's had obviously his acting in the Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw film with 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 Cousin Dwayne. Um, if, that, if, if that's what you want to do next, why not go out at the absolute top of your game? It's it's that whole leave them wanting more, don't let it sour sort of thing. Like when you should turn heel, then why when you should leave. So it will be interesting to see. I don't I don't understand why he'd cut that promo unless there's two reasons. One, he is leaving eventually to do that, or two, he's just a massive tease. Yeah, and he decided that he'd just do this. So I, I don't know. He's like you see him cut his um, promo to camera on Instagram. He's like, uh, I'm not leaving unless I am. It's like, oh, oh, you big tease, you big flirt. Um, so I don't know. It's very interesting, but I think if he, if he does, that is what he's doing. WWE are in trouble because we've said it a lot in this podcast. They've built him to a level that no one can touch. And then you, he disappears. He's the only reason a lot of people watch it at the moment. He, he is the best thing we say each and every week. I, I now think that Roman Reigns isn't really a heel anymore. He's now got to that point where he's transcended heel and babyface. Because no one wants him to go. He's what everyone looks forward to in a WWE show. And even if, and we don't know, we're speculating like everyone else, but in fairness, it's speculation set off by Roman cutting that promo. So we've got a right to do this. You know, whatever's going on, if we're seeing less Roman Reigns on our telly, that is a problem for WWE. But it's also an opportunity for someone else. And you've got to imagine there'll be folks backstage sniffing around saying, well, if he's here less, now I can maximize my minutes. Yeah, and you also can't leave the belt on someone like that. So they've got to get the titles off him if he does that. So that'd be very, very interesting. I think it's the million-dollar question, isn't it, in wrestling right now is who beats Roman Reigns? And it's becoming almost the elephant in the room a little bit of, at some point, someone has to. For all the issues I have with the name, they're very, very, very slowly do a good job of building our pal Gunther in the background, I think. You see him with his squash matches and how I think they're very slowly just building him. And I think it'd be interesting how they do with what they do with him and where they go. But so far on SmackDown on the main roster, I think they're doing a good job of building him. Let me throw another name into the mix here. If we're talking about who should... Walter. Can we throw that name back in? <laughs> Let's just have Walter. Let's have it be Pete Dunn. Let's go all the names we've lost. Um, we always talk about the person who needs it. This person couldn't be less from needing it. This person's legacy is established regardless. Is Randy Orton not increasingly looking like the man to do it? Because if you look at the biggest matches WWE can put on at the moment, name me a time that Randy Orton's been hotter. Name me a time that people have been behind him more. And as I was watching that six-man and then Monday Night Raw and the reaction Orton's getting, I'm thinking, do you know what? wouldn't be the worst decision in the world to have a Randy Orton Roman Reigns program. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that uh, right now is something I would look to build towards at SummerSlam. I, I don't see a better option for them or a bigger match. And is that then where Riddle turns heel? Because that's what I want to see. Ha because if you take Randy off in that direction, 
you've got to have something for Riddle to do. Could that be, you know, you get out of the one story and then go into the other that way? Yeah, it, that could be how they turn them eventually. Um, I, I still think a way to go, because then RK Bro out there talking about wanting the SmackDown Tag Team titles again this week. So we're back to that. So we've come full circle on that. So that was, that's very, I, I will never understand the booking of this bit, ever. Well, I, I think someone has looked at their calendar and gone, right, hold on a minute. Yeah, we, we're all focused on WrestleMania backlash. It's like when you're on the motorway and you go past one car and you don't see the next big thing up ahead. And I don't think they remembered that Hell in a Cell was up next and they needed something to put in Hell in a Cell. I know you're going to do some fantasy booking for us a bit later of the match you put inside a cell. It's got to be RK Bro versus the Usos in the main event in a cell. I mean, who wouldn't want to see that? That That is one that would be very interesting to watch because they... The only tag team Hell in a Cell match I can remember is the New Day versus the Usos. I think that's actually underappreciated. That's a brilliant match. And actually, Xavier Woods has one of his best performances in that match. So it can be done. It can be done well. And they're four people who would do it very well. I don't think they'll put it in a cell. I think they'll just have it as a tag team match. I think it'd be brilliant. But it's just weird, isn't it, that we were getting this match and then we didn't. Now we're back to it. It was very, very odd. Yeah, it, it, it was, again, I suppose it's taken the newsworthiness out of um, WrestleMania backlash, although we did have a title change. Ronda Rousey, new SmackDown Women's Champion, a great match between her and Charlotte Flair. I've never really liked I Quit matches. I think there's something about losing the drama of a pinfall one-two kick-out that, that doesn't really work for me, but both these women worked incredibly hard, and Ronda Rousey, the new SmackDown Women's Champion, and Charlotte Flair away indefinitely from the SmackDown roster, leaving a big hole. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? This, this is a match that a few years ago would have had a lot more attention, but we, we spoke last week about the issues we think on this feud. I think it's probably good that this is behind Ronda and Charlotte now for both of them. Just stop I there, mean, though, a moment, because as you say, just listen to that sentence. It's good a feud between Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair is behind both of them. They were getting dragged down by this feud. Yeah, which is bonkers, isn't it? Which is absolutely ridiculous. But I, I think it is people couldn't get behind this for the reasons we've outlined before. So I think it is. I think it's a good thing now for Ron to have the belt and go and do something with it. Go and go and reinvent herself as SmackDown Women's Champion. Go and find what that means. Go and find her character. And again, a sense I can't believe I'm about to say get relevant again in WWE, which is just crazy, isn't it? That I'm saying that about Ronda Rousey. So that would be to see. Do you think? Are these Charlotte Flair injuries at work? Are they legit injuries? Are she just having some time off? So they've used this as an excuse. What do you think? Well, I think when you read round it, um, Charlotte Flair and Andrade are looking to get married. I think that's something that, that may be coming up as well. And I think Charlotte Flair, she is a workhorse. She's carried that division and she doesn't go half-hearted when she has these matches. She's a hell of a worker, as, as everyone listening to this knows. And I think sometimes a rest is is needed because if you keep her around and this is something I wanted to come on to that Smackdown women's division is looking more than a little bit I don't know it's not as stacked is it I'm looking and thinking all right where does Ronda go next and if Charlotte stays around it has to be her so you have to get rid of her I think and I think it'll do her good I have no idea where Ronda Rousey goes next to feud with I can't really think of anyone else on that roster that was what I was really interested for, but they didn't, that wasn't English, that they brought Alexa Bliss back on Raw. Mm. Really interested. I thought it would have made sense to bring her back on SmackDown, but they've thrown her on Raw because you talk about the SmackDown women's division not being stacked. You look at that Raw women's division right now with uh, Becky, with Asuka, Bianca, 
um, Alexa Bliss. Sonia Deville's back in as a full-time competitor. She's not um, management anymore. That is a serious women's division over there. It is, and and Lacey Evans, from what we read, is going to be back, but back on Raw rather than on SmackDown, which is where the vignettes were. They, they've got to do some rebalancing here, and, and I wonder if it's time for, for the women's tag team titles to go away. Not because I don't believe that the women should have tag team titles, but I think they're holding up too much talent. You've, you've got Sasha Banks and Naomi there. They, they have the belts, don't they? I'm, I'm not Yeah, what, and what brand are they on? Well, I think they can go to both brands, but, you know, you, you need an opponent for Ronda Rousey. You could plug in easily Sasha Banks there, and, and it's it's must-watch TV. Well, they, they had that absolute barnstorm at the Royal Rumble, didn't they? A few years ago, Sasha yeah. and Ronda. Yeah. And that was a... And, um, the year Edge came back, was it, was it 2020? No, the year before, 2019. 2019 Royal Rumble. Mm. They had that absolute brilliant match. Throw them back in a feud because that's where I get behind. Yeah, so lots, lots to consider there. One woman uh, who certainly made a bit of a name for herself, or, or, or perhaps became more relevant again at WrestleMania Backlash, is Rhea Ripley, part of the Judgment Day stable with Edge. So we now have Edge, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley. Edge's hair has gone short. Um, it's something for Rhea to do. I think it, it elevates her. I don't. I hate the stable. I don't mind her being part of it. Yeah, I think anyone being put next to Edge elevates them. Uh, I think it's working for Damian Priest. I think it's working. It'll work for Rhea Ripley. I know we're not massive fans of uh, the Judgment Day stable on this podcast. I'm seeing a lot of people who are online, a lot of people. Are you really? Are, yeah, I, I am actually. I'm seeing a lot of okay. people who are enjoying it. Uh, I, it's not for us, as we've said. We want to just cheer Edge, and that's probably because we're softies for Edge. <laughs> I don't like him with short hair. I want Edge with long hair. I want I want the Edge from my childhood. Um, but I think it's, I don't think it's a bad move from WWE. I just don't enjoy it. So I don't think it's bad. It's just not to my taste. I do think there's a difference. Yeah. And I wonder whether we're going to see um, Finn Balor and AJ Styles bring in a woman to their sort of faction they've got going on, because I would not be mad at getting some six man tags between uh, Edge, Rhea and Damian Priest against AJ, Finn and female competitor to be determined. Um, and, and I, you know, I wouldn't be mad to see Rhea Ripley start duffing up some of these blokes as well, because she's got mm. the credibility to do it in a sort of China-esque way. Yeah, she's big, she's strong, she's powerful. She could beat up a lot of men. She'd beat up me. But she could. She, she could. Yeah, she would. She would. She'd beat me. She couldn't beat up me. I'm confident no, in no. my abilities. And that's why she hasn't, Charlie. She wouldn't dare. <laughs> I'd like I'd like you to clip that up and tag her, please. Is it? Right, this will be the can social be our, post. That can be our social this week. Jack Murley calls out Rhea Ripley. Don't, because she would kill me. Um, Here's the, <laughs> here's the thing, right? And I, I bang this drum every, every week. Poor old Kevin Owens and poor old Stone Cold Steve Austin. If Austin is sitting at his ranch, wherever his ranch is, going, I main evented WrestleMania. I came back. And now Kevin Owens is doing, well, what? You know, what's going on? I think it's it's kind of good. I, You know, you shouldn't enjoy some things in wrestling, and sometimes you do. I'm enjoying this nonsense with Ezekiel. I genuinely am. It makes me smile. It is nonsense. Kevin, o he Kevin Owens is cursed by how good he is at, at so many things. Does. At anything he does. Because they can take Kevin Owens, they can, they can plug him in to the main event with Stone Cold Steve Austin, or they can plug him in to a shaved Elias feud where he has to pretend it's someone he's never met before, and he does make it work. I give him that. But I cannot 
believe that is the best way to use the rub of being Stone Cold Steve Austin's first match in more than a decade is to put him there. I don't disagree with that at all, but I can't stop myself smiling when I'm watching it. It's just brilliant nonsense. Now, speaking of brilliant nonsense, the the Money in the Bank pay-per-view has always had that sort of nonsense element to it because in real sport, you couldn't cash in a contract at any time you'd like. A few people have caught this week the promo at WrestleMania Backlash where Cody says in it, win the briefcase, earn a title shot at WrestleMania. Did you catch that? No, I missed that. It, if, if you're watching this, folks, go back and watch this promo. It's Cody. He's at the Reliant Stadium where I think this is going on. And he def- it's, not, it's not a misspeak. It's definitely, he says, win your shot at WrestleMania for the world title. Now, if they are changing the money in the bank, I can see from your face you are not a happy bunny about this at all. Well... You can do that because you can cash it in whenever you want. So you can you can win it and you can say straight up, I'm cashing at Mania. But don't do that because the best bit about the briefcase is, ooh, when's he going to cash it in? Also, that's how you that, that's the rumble. You win the rumble and you do that. I'm just I'm just going to read this uh, from one of the wrestling websites during Sunday's WrestleMania backlash. WWE aired a video promo for this year's Money in the Bank with Cody Rhodes hyping the popular event, which will take place uh, July second at the Allegiant Stadium. Excuse me, not the Reliant Stadium, the Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. During the commercial, Cody Rhodes hinted that this year's Money in the Bank winners could win the chance to main event next year's WrestleMania 39. Cody says, and I quote: "One lucky male and one lucky female superstar will win the chance." to main event Wrestlemania. That's what he said. I don't understand why they'd change that. That's what the Rumble's for, and you you kill one of your biggest gimmicks, one of your biggest storytelling devices. Do you do it because you've got a women's title on Raw and a women's title on SmackDown, and you've got a Universal and a WWE World Heavyweight Championship, and the winner of one gets one title shot, and the winner of the Rumble gets another? But then there's no mystique about one of the one of the most fun things on the road to Mania is working out who's going to land where. You'll know it, and the title pitch is by January for both of them. I I don't disagree, but I'm just reporting back what your man Cody Rhodes says in that promo. I mean, if they do that, are they killing that gimmick dead? Well, yeah, because the whole the whole brilliance of the Money in the Bank is it could be it could be cashing anytime. Think about all the brilliant pops of the last 10, 15 years that we now lose out on. Yeah. Well, it's what they know in WWE. They could just as easily say, "Forget that. That never happened. We're not doing it." But certainly, that is the promo that Cody Rhodes cut. And I, you're not a happy boy. I've caught Charlie no, on the fly. With no, this. I'm actually very upset by this. Well, I'm sorry to break bad news. Speaking of Cody, the Broken Skull Sessions with Stone Cold Steve Austin up on the network. Always must see TV. I don't know how much of that you've managed to catch this week. Uh, all of it. I watched it all. What did you think? I thought it didn't go quite in depth into the backstage stuff of AEW that I would have liked it to. But then you've got to remember, it's a WWE product, so it probably makes sense that it didn't. They mentioned AEW enough for it to not be ignoring it, but we did not get the stories that probably we all really wanted, if we're honest. It still blows my mind that we're hearing AEW mentioned on WWE programming. I mean, that is, a, in a weird way, a win in itself for, for AEW. I have to say, I was I was expecting more. And I, I'll be honest, Cody sort of, I was a little bit irritated by him during it. How come? Because I felt he was working. Now, I don't know if that makes sense, but I felt a lot... 
when they sit down for these sessions, I just want the person. I don't yeah. want yeah, yeah. the character. And I felt there was a degree, and it may only have been ten percent, where it was a little bit of working with it. I, I could see that. It's like when you sit down here with me, you get me, the person, <laughs> not the character. I, I'm not working here. This is this is all authentic. This is what, raw. What would you, what would you, the character, be? I'm intrigued now. What am I not uh, getting? That's me. That's me. The rest of life. This is the only time. This is the only hour in my week that you get actual me. The rest of the rest of my life is an actual work. I'm sure your girlfriend will be delighted to know. Mm, yes, <laughs> you're yes, an in-character right. gimmick. Jack, Jack, we've said many a time she does not listen to this. So it's okay. <laughs> exactly. It's a safe space. I yes. just, I just, it just wasn't. I don't know. I, it, and I tell hey, you, do you think we hyped it up? I'm, we, I mean, the royal we of wrestling fans, because I've seen a few people saying what we're saying here. Do you think we expected a bit much from it because of how brilliant previous Broken School sessions have been and how candid other people have been? If this had been one of the first Broken School sessions, I think we'd be there going, oh my God, AW's mentioned, he told these stories. But because of how in depth other people have gone, I think especially Jericho when he did his. Mm. Uh, episode as well. Do you think we expected absolutely everything and maybe we do forget it's still a WWE programming and actually there'll be some things maybe Cody doesn't want to tell or maybe, you know what, he can't tell yet. Yeah, I mean, here's what I, I know lots of folks really enjoyed it and a lot of folks really enjoyed the conversation about Dusty um, and, and I really enjoyed that as well. Here's what I think the truth is. Cody Rhodes, if you just took his WWE run before he left, it wasn't that interesting. There were highs, there were moments, there was stuff to talk about, but it wasn't warranting of a of a st- session on its own. Yeah. The most interesting stuff Cody's done is when he's gone away from WWE and founding AEW, and that's the stuff they're not going to want to talk about as much, completely understandably. So they were focusing a lot on the early stuff that I didn't care about as much. And yeah. then the second stuff, you know, that I really wanted to get into, we didn't get as much. And a small point of view as well, and this is just from a broadcasting point of view, he kept looking away from Austin. It's a conversation with Stone Cold, and he was looking to the cameraman, he was looking off screen, he was looking elsewhere, and that really takes you out of it if you're just trying to watch a conversation. So it wasn't everything I wanted, but Stone Cold's still the best interviewer in, in the business. And how cool was a moment where, where Cody said, thanks for the house, kid to Austin for drawing the WrestleMania crowd. Yeah, yeah, it was very, very good. It, it was, there were, there were some very good moments. I think we just, we just probably all expected more because of how brilliant other ones have been and how many stories there are for Cody to tell that he will one day. We will get them. I have no doubt we will get them. I think we just were all expecting them now. If you love professional wrestling as much as we do, you are in the right place. We love breaking down all the action inside and outside the ring for you each week on Earning the Push. And if you love what we do, there are three simple things you can do to help us grow and keep spreading the word. Firstly, rate and review us wherever you're listening today, including five stars if you think we've earned it. Secondly, subscribe so you never miss episodes. And thirdly, share the love and spread the word on social media. On Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, wherever you're socialing, tell other wrestling fans about what we do here and get them to give us a listen. And now, back to the show. Let's talk AEW. Goodness gracious, what a dynamite we had. Adam Cole goes through to the semi-finals of the Owen. So does Jeff Hardy after a monstrous clash with Darby Allen. MJF sets a stipulation for the Wardlow clash at Double or Nothing, providing Wardlow can navigate his way to that. CM Punk returns and clashes with Hangman Adam Page. The place I want to start is with Darby Allen and that ladder bump. If you haven't seen it, 
Darby goes up a ladder, which must be about 16 foot, and is positioned in the ring. He's made eight chairs side by side, laid out in almost an aisle formation. Jeff Hardy is laid across them, and Darby Allen performs his own swanton bomb outside to them. I mean, I... I don't know when you saw it. I saw it early this morning and I did, oh my God, out loud. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I saw it about half seven this morning, so just under an hour ago. And it, I watched it four or five times and I've seen, we've both shared it to our Instagram stories. It's just, oh, like that must hurt so much. That That's one of the nastiest bumps I've seen as well. And it, it, it's not an accident. It's not an accidental nasty bump. It's, he knows what he's doing. Then have you seen as well, Jeff does the swan tom onto the stairs on the side as well, not to be outdone. They both, Neither of them have any regard for their body at all or their spine. It's just bonkers. But I'm going to sound like a grumpy old man for a sec. Why was it an ending goes match in a tournament where the matches should be wrestling matches? Well, this is, this is I think, where AEW was very sensible, I think, because they made, and, and you know, I've criticised AEW for not telling stories. They had Darby Allen cut that promo saying, let's give the people what they want. They don't want holds. They want it to be psychotic. And then Tony Khan agrees to it. And look, we could definitely get into wrestlers requesting stipulations in a tournament and getting them just because they're them. But that's the match you wanted. If you're getting Darby Allen versus Jeff Hardy, and let's just underscore the fact in 2022, we're getting Darby Allen versus Jeff Hardy. That That's what you want. I, I can yeah, cut them some Yeah, stuff. I, I'm being grumpy for, for the sake of being grumpy. <laughs> Dan, I'll be happy. Um, what do you think about Jeff winning? Uh, do you know what? I like it because I think Darby's bulletproof. I think yeah. Darby Allen's bulletproof. I think if you bring in Jeff Hardy and you're going to have Hardy's versus the Young Bucks probably at double or nothing, then you need Hardy to go through. He's facing Adam Cole. We're going to have shenanigans with the Bucks to, to see Hardy yeah. knocked out. and So I, I don't mind it. I'd like to see Darby Allen. I was going to say do something more relevant and yet he's with Sting every week and he's wrestling Jeff Hardy and he is sort of as Jeff Hardy of old was Teflon he could be with anyone at any time and he'd be fine Darby is as well yeah I agree Darby's on that sort of skip where he, you can plug him in anywhere and wins and losses do matter but Darby's main thing is getting his moments and he get he's getting his moments in so yeah I agree with that I really enjoyed Adam Cole winning with a sharpshooter yes that was a really good touch really good I thought that was excellent. I Again, being critical, and could I do better? No. It wasn't the tightest sharpshooter I've ever seen. But then, It wasn't Bret Hart, was it? It was But then part of me goes, do you know what? This is wrestling. You, you, you know, if you're buying into the athletic endeavour, I'm sure when you're playing rugby towards the end of a long game, some of your tackles aren't, aren't, aren't you know, picture perfect necessarily. That is they what... aren't at the start of a game, Jack. <laughs> Tackle my head most of the time as well, like I do. No, that's not true. Just, honestly, no, honestly... Everyone's like, I, I, when I coach, I coach perfect technique, all this head to the side, be safe. And honestly, that is how you should tackle. I get in the middle of the game, just put my head in the way. I've got a massive head and it knocks people over. It's a battering ram. But yeah. firstly, I'm not convinced that's true. And if you go to Charlie's Instagram, you'll see a highlights package, which starts with my favourite rugby moment. I think it's my favourite moment in rugby ever. Even more than Johnny Wilkinson kicking for World Cup Jesus. glory. The moment where Charlie, what, 30 seconds into a game, just lays out this poor lad who never sees you coming. Favourite rugby moment of all time. That's very kind. Thank you. However, it wasn't the best sharpshooter, but it was it was a great match. And, and look, how lucky are we that next week we get Adam Cole versus Jeff Hardy. I mean, Tony Khan is using this roster to give us dream matches galore. 
there's an argument you could hold off, you could build them bigger, you could tell different stories, but I, I'm getting Jeff Hardy, Adam Cole. I'm not going to complain. Yeah, and I loves me a tournament. I'm a sucker for a tournament, so I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that match next week. Don't you think that this is what the King of the Ring should be? Yes, I mean, th- absolutely. This is Tony Khan is showing us how to book a tournament well. He's created the stakes. He's got, you know, Martha Hart in the crowd, looking down, endorsing it. The one thing I would say is having the men's and women's tournaments side by side, the women's is getting a little bit forgotten. I, I have to, it, it doesn't it feel... It just doesn't have as much star power, does it? It no. just doesn't quite have as much star power. I wonder if there's an argument to just make the Owen a men's tournament and maybe do something at another point of the year for the women honouring another legend. I mean, you could yeah, do... Yeah, potentially. The China or something like yeah. that. Something like that. My favourite bit was the bump. Close second is any time MJF comes home to Long Island. You've seen all this segment? How much of this have you yeah, heard? I, I've seen all. I'm most of it, but I'm a little bit confused on what the stipulation is. Does he say so he has to? He's getting. I loved the Sean Spears 10, by the way. Yes. I really enjoyed that. So he has to get whipped 10 times and then wrestle Sean in a cage. And I loved, I loved the bit where he starts celebrating that Wardlow. And MJF just says, listen here, word we can't say. Last time I checked, you're 0 2 in a cage. Oh, that was brilliant. Bring it back to the fact that he's never won in a cage. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Makes sense. Makes this, sense. This, so, this is callback storytelling to because MJF does have a pattern. And when Cody wanted to face MJF, we got MJF give Cody 10 lashes on one of those early dynamites. And I'm not sure you were watching as religiously as no, I was might not have been. at the time. And then we got the first ever AEW steel cage match between Cody and Wardlow. So there is right. a bit of symmetry there. I mean, I don't like that, that that we go down this route again, but that segment standalone from, I mean, that dark side of the ring promo before MJF came out was Gee, I don't know who thought of that, but to have Chris Jericho start narrating a fake dark side of the ring about what happened in the dog collar match and then say, hold on, why am I doing this for MJF? I hate MJF. Oh, he's paying me this much. I mean, there is nothing better than MJF in Long Island. And how good is this guy? He is just... He's 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 exceptional, and that that crowd love him. I love that he's the biggest heel ever. When he goes home, he's an out and out babyface. Them, I love it. It makes sense. It makes sense. It's brilliant, and he he acts like a babyface. Them, he's in the crowd. He's there kissing his ring. I love that when he's Long Island, he's a completely different person. He's not a person. He's treated as a completely different character, but he still acts as himself. Why wouldn't you? I mean, if you go home to Liverpool, if you were a heel in in the rest of the country, why wouldn't you be a babyface there? And why would yeah. you try and turn the crowd? And this is where I think AEW. As, as much as I sometimes criticise it, it's really sensible. It knows that Long Island wants to cheer MJF, so let them go all in. And it knows that Long Island will hate CM Punk, so send him out in the opposing team's jersey. It yeah. makes sense. So if Wardlow wins a steel cage match, which he will, yeah. what do we know what the stipulation for the match with MJF is? Yes. So Right, I missed this. This is what I haven't clocked. And this is a flaw with... AEW's programming because they did throw a lot at people in that segment so he gets whipped 10 times and then he beats Sean Spears in the cage and then as I understand it he gets the match with MJF if he wins he's free of MJF but if MJF beats Wardlow then Wardlow can never sign an AEW contract which makes me think could we see Wardlow going to Ring of Honor and then invading (laughs) AEW. I mean, that's not beyond the realms. Yeah, I could, that that's an interesting one. Yeah, 
So are they just having just a straight up wrestling match? So far, but you know right. it won't stay that way. There is yes. not a bell or whistle that MJF won't ring or blow in order to promote his matches. Um, I tell you what you were bang on the money about last week was we need to start seeing a purpose to the Blackpool Combat Club. Yeah, what are they doing? What are they doing this week? What, what, I'm confused. They're out there with the Jericho Appreciation Society. And then Eddie Eddie Kingston's there. What's going on? Overbooked just a little bit. Well, I just don't understand it. There was no reason given for what. Just give me a reason why they're there. Okay, so here's where I maybe think the story... Because you, you've been baffled today, Charlie. You've been battered by money in this the is, bank. This, there's a lot of confusion <laughs> for me today. Here's why I think they've done it. You have the Blackpool Combat Club establish themselves as the baddest pro wrestlers on the planet. And you've yep. got the Jericho Appreciation Society establish themselves as the best sports entertainers on the planet. Natural clash. I'm with it so far. But then out comes Eddie Kingston and Santana and Ortiz, and suddenly you've got just just too many cooks. To give me, start the angle with the Blackpool Combat Club, give me that, or finish the one off with Kingston. Don't mix everyone in. Because when Jericho said, there's five of us, four of you, just have them go in and batter them anyway, because the four, the four, the four of Blackpool Combat Club will, will happily take on the five. But then it's seven on five with Kingston, Santana and Ortiz. It was all just a bit of a mishmash of weirdness. I sometimes think Tony Khan is, is the chef in the kitchen who, who's, who's got a perfect meal and he just can't resist adding that little, that one ingredient more and that sometimes just takes what was perfect down to, ah, okay, that's how we're doing it. So I, I did, but, you know, Blood and Guts is coming up for, for AEW. They love a good Blood and Guts match and we know that there'll be one of those in the future would not be mad about Jericho Appreciation Society versus Blackpool Combat Club versus Kingston, Santana and Ortiz in a double ring, double cage? Yes, please. Yeah, or four on four, and let's get Regal in there. Well, Regal threw a punch yes. at Jet Now. Does Regal Co. will see you in blood and guts of, instead of war games? Of course he does. Of yeah. course he's going to do that. And uh, I will pop so hard for that. And part of me I'd actually what- enjoy if he went in what? Blood and guts, and he even faked saying war games. That would really make me laugh. Part of me wonders if there if there is just a little bit of physicality left in William Reed, because I wasn't expecting to see him grab Jericho and punch him, and yet they've been mates going back to day dot. There, there's a level of trust there that doesn't exist in a match per se, but could you see him standing on the apron, a running knee, few stretches, couple of punches? Maybe. It- if he's up to it, I think he definitely will want to. It's all on, we don't know what the health and physical level of William Regal is. We, I hope it's brilliant. If we could get Regal in one more match, I think that'd be brilliant. We've also got Hookhausen officially forming. Um, didn't love it. Love the pop. Love the love the formation. Didn't like the Danhausen lost in one second flat or whatever it was. That was a he's waste. Got, yeah, he got knee in the face and that was it, didn't he? Like, I, I I woke up to see that Danhausen was going to wrestle. And from what a lot of our listeners have said and what you said, I was excited to see him wrestle because I haven't. I didn't. I didn't get to see him wrestle. So, yeah, if you if if you want to eventually get him over as a wrestler, that wasn't a great start. It, it was. It was. I was. I was talking to uh, hashtag Stay Grumpy Dan, and you know, there's other ways to do that. Have Have Tony Nese attack Danhausen before the match. Do, yeah. do, you don't need the pinfall loss, and that and that I thought was disappointing. But I think the pop when they shook hands. Shows that they're onto something with that. And just a final AEW thought as well. I'll throw this into the mix. We really enjoyed Grand Slam last year at the Arthur Ashe Stadium. And it looks like we're going to be getting that again in the future. And that's going to be a staple of AEW events. And good on it, I say, because that was a cracking show. 
Yeah, like we said last year, the Arthur Ashe Stadium was not designed for tennis like everyone thought it was. It was actually designed for wrestling and tennis takes place there sometimes. It's a great stadium to have wrestling in. And yeah, all for them going back there. Now, look, we're going to do a hidden gem and uh, send something back to developmental and give something the push. But last week we sent you a booking challenge to take one topic and one feud to the main event of Hell in a Cell. If you can only have one Cell match, which current feud would you take there or which new feud would you get there? We'll do some listener ones next week, but Charlie, you've got one to kick us off. What do you have? I think the feud that makes the most sense right now, I don't think this is the one they will do, but I'm the one that makes sense and you're not going to like it, but I think you could get interest in it, is Edge and AJ Styles. Oh, Okay. Because Judgment Day keep getting involved. There's lots of shenanigans and there's lots of distraction on the outside. Put them in the cell. There's a reason to put them in the cell. AJ is very upset with Edge. Edge has been very personal. Edge is, for as much as we don't like him, he's being vindictive. He's being personal. He's making it, not a blood feud per se, but he's making it personal. He's he's upsetting AJ. He's he's not playing by the rules. Put Put him in a cell. And then from a purely wrestling point of view, Edge has great cell matches. He's one with Undertaker at SummerSlam 2008. He's one of my favourites ever, where he ends up on fire under the <laughs> ring. Let's, ne- let's never, ever forget that. And after then the, everyone the goes won, home. Everyone goes home. Won, the match is won. Taker gets a ladder out, climbs up it, chokeslams it through the ring, and just summons fire. And then everyone goes, thanks for coming. That, that, that's your match. Everyone goes, yeah, okay, good show. Do you not um, think if you could summon fire that you would just do that at the start of the match. they just ring the bell, and then Undertaker would just, up comes a fire, and then he goes, I've burnt him alive, lad, so no match, sorry. Back to your cars with you. Thank you for coming, and good night. Picks up his belt and walks off. <laughs> um, and also, I'd love to see AJ Styles in a cell match. He's one of the best ever, and it's a, it's one of the all-time great stipulations, and we haven't seen it. No, we haven't, have we? In, in- we haven't seen an AJ Styles Hell in a Cell match. Ooh, now that does intrigue me. That does intrigue. And give me AJ Styles and Edge in a cell the way the cell is meant to be used. I know the temptation is you've got the Judgment Day stable. Don't let any of them in there. Don't let anyone in. No shenanigans like that. No one in, no one out. Who who goes over in that situation? It's tough, isn't it? Because if you want to get this uh, faction over, they've got to look strong. But also... AJ could do with something at the moment, but I think they're going to set up the WWE Bullet Club off the back of this. So I think that will get AJ's relevance again. And excited. I'd probably put Edge over. I'd probably put Edge over on that, but I, would, I wouldn't be unhappy either way as long as the match was good. And for the love of God, make the sell silver again. Yes, make it sil- that's my That's my main booking here. You know what? If you make the sell silver, go and put Hornswoggle versus, I don't know, versus uh, Paul Birchall in the cell. I'll take that for a silver cell. Paul Birchall's just sitting somewhere in the UK again. Did, did someone just mention me? I feel like I feel like I'm relevant again. <laughs> he was an underwaste, uh, a wasted talent. I, I agree with all of that, and actually that's not what I'm going to do next week, but I like that, and I, I would be willing to put more than a little bit of money on the fact that we would be seeing that. The shame is... That, that will easily get your booking and my booking because... And, another one, probably. And probably another one. And I... It always killed me when they used to open with a Hell in a Cell match. I, I mean, just no, that's not what it should be. And I still don't like the stipulation. It, for- it was for me when they just put them on random Raws and Smackdowns. 
That's not where a Hell in a Cell should be. It was dead before that, though, wasn't it? As a gimmick? Yeah, yeah. It, they, they killed it. We said this before. They killed it when they made it come round just because it's the pay-per-view. Yeah. I was going to say, what's the last great Hell in a Cell match? Um, I know that at WrestleMania 28, that's one of my all-time favourite matches. And I remember that after... Um, Taker loses to Brock, then there's a SummerSlam one. They have the Hell in a Cell at, uh, I think it was a No Mercy or something like that. Or maybe it was a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. It was Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. After that, the two that I remember being really good since that were the New Day versus You shows, yep. that I mentioned earlier, and Roman versus Jay. Yeah, and do you know what? That's going to get forgotten as a Cell match because it was in the Thunderdome, isn't it? Yeah, but that was a brilliant match. That was almost a psychological drama because a lack yes. of crowd meant you could hear everything. Yeah. And that's not going to fall in the canon of great matches because it's not a traditional sell because nothing then was traditional. But yeah, you're right. That's really good. Uh, look, let's do a hidden gem for this week. I've been listening to a lot of um, My World, Conrad Thompson's podcast with Jeff Jarrett, um, which is a lot about WCW, but also a lot about TNA. And that got me thinking about a hidden gem from TNA this uh, week, which we don't really talk about that much. I'm going to throw out there, if anyone hasn't seen it, Kurt Angle's TNA debut back in 2006 and the headbutt heard round the world on Samoa Joe for an illustration of what could and should have been for TNA that they didn't quite manage to capture. You, you, you weren't watching wrestling at that time, were you? I, I was watching wrestling. I wasn't watching. I never watched TNA religiously, but I've seen this since, and I've gone back and I've watched some of mid to late 2000s TNA because, my Lord, was there some good wrestling there. There, there was, and, and you look at where AEW is now, and you look at what TNA had, and TNA had a cable deal. It had a roster with Sting, Angle, Joe, Styles... You know, Christian Cage, loads of great knockout wrestlers. And it, and I hoped that as an alternative to WWE, TNA would catch a light. And that debut gave me so much hope. And it didn't quite work from there. However, as a standalone bell-to-bell, moment-to-moment, it is brutal. Because Angle headbutts Joe and boy does he ever. I mean, the guy bleeds hard way. And it's a great moment for what should have been. Was mid-2000s wrestling machine Kurt Angle the best Kurt Angle? Yes. He Here's the irony of that. He was having his best matches with some of his best opponents on his smallest stage. I mean, yeah. his matches with... And if you uh, listen to his podcast, probably when actually, unfortunately, his personal life, he was at his unhappiest. Yeah. He was not in a good place, Percy. Then you talk about the, the painkillers he was taking, the the way he was dealing with everything. But my lord, when he got in a ring, you didn't know that, did you? He could. One of my favorite matches ever. I said a lot is No Way Out, two thousand and six, oh, him and Taker. Yeah, it's just it's it's an absolute masterpiece of what wrestling with no no gimmicks, nothing fancy. There's just two guys who are very good at wrestling doing some very good wrestling. There's so much good. I mean, uh, we could on Kurt Angle's TNA run, his lockdown match with Samoa Joe, his feud with Desmond Wolf, Nigel McGuinness excellent um some of his matches with aj styles i mean the guy was brilliant there and it's just a shame more people don't watch it because of the product and because of where it was staged in the impact zone as well which i understand it's a business you cut your cloth accordingly but there are some real gems in tna so i wanted to give that a shout out right let's give something from everyday life we love the push and let's send something from everyday life we hate back to developmental our favorite part of the show definitely haven't had a couple of cracks at introducing this for the first time because i mucked it up the first last two times uh, Charlie, first or second, help me out. 
Uh, I'll go first. You can have a break here. Honestly, so listeners will never it. know, but I, I, it's taken a couple of swings at yeah. introducing. We've it. been doing this over a year now, and Jack is a professional broadcaster. This is the first time I've ever seen him mess it up a few times in a row. It was incredible. And we can't um, play it to you because we swore. So yes, exactly. That's why Jack messed it up and then just swore straight away. So it got it got. Uh, here's sorry. Complete side note on that. Do you know what I learned this week? Mm. Um, Great British Bake Off, which back in the day I absolutely loved, when it was on BBC. Okay. When some of the contestants really messed up and were crying and upset, Mel and Sue would run over to them and just shout a swear word so that couldn't then be aired by the BBC. How kind is that? Yeah, and in a less kind situation, sometimes if you see people going into or coming out of court and they've got their barrister with them, particularly celebrities, their barrister will swear incredibly loudly so they can't use that footage either. Mental. Just thought I'd never realised that till this last week. Bake Off, Charlie. Go on. I loved the Bake Off back in the day. I used to tweet it. Um, I used to tweet with hashtag Beckett on the Bake Off and it got trending in Gloucestershire area, genuinely. <laughs> if you go back on my Twitter, I used to tweet, live tweet about this before you knew me, about the Bake Off, Beckett on the Bake Off. Uh, I had people follow along with me uh, and then it moved to Channel 4 and I wouldn't watch it anymore. Oh, well, that's a shame. It's good on Channel 4, but I, that is, that, I can't work out if that's a brilliant brag or not. I was trending mm. in the Gloucestershire area on... That's pretty Beck, cool. I'll hash, take that. Hashtag Beckett on the Bake Off. Do you, but you, anyway. don't, you don't... No, no, no. Hold on. You don't bake, though, do you? Uh, I've been known to bake now and again. Okay. Well, you're yeah. like an onion. Every every week we do this, I There's like... always something new. Anyway, on that side, I said to Jack yesterday, we'll end up on a tangent on something this week, <laughs> and it's always... It never, we Isn't never it? see it coming. Right. Earn the push and back to developmental. Um, back to developmental for me this week is people who post spoilers online. Oh, about anything, but especially this week, there's a big new Marvel film came out last week. Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness. Anyone who knows me knows I'm a massive comic book nerd and loser. Uh, I went to see it by myself at 10 o'clock in the morning, the first day it was out, because I didn't want to see spoilers. I'm not waiting around and seeing spoilers. So it, it's a brilliant film. There was lots of, lots of surprises in it, which I went in unspoilt, so I lost my mind in the cinema. But I know a lot of people, a lot of my mates, didn't have that moment because they'd had it spoiled online by people who'd seen it already. And I just don't get why you get any joy out of ruining things for other people. It just doesn't, doesn't compute with me. I, I agree. Do you know what I, um, and how far in advance does spoiler warnings count for? Like how far back when, when, when is it fine just to talk about something and it not be a spoiler? Well, well that's the thing. I, I know for, for example, for Endgame, which is the biggest, Marvel, biggest film ever. So they've got the biggest box office ever. They put a, embargo out the, the Marvel themselves put out they, they call it don't spoil the end game they said for the two weeks after its first release do not talk about it online after two weeks we are giving you permission to just talk about it freely so everyone knew they had two weeks to go and see this film okay now not most films don't have that I would say normally I think if you're going to go online Twitter's the main place if anyone's going to put something with a spoiler in you need to do that thing where you put spoiler warning at the top and then go down a few lines and then t- tweet what you need to because you scroll, you see the spoiler warning, you don't go any further. People who just put it out there without that, I think it's just, I think it's unkind. It ruins it for people. Yeah, and I'll say here, spoiler warning, spoiler warning, spoiler warning. When I went to see the new Bond film, I enjoyed it more because I didn't, spoiler warning, know that he was going to die at the end. Exactly the same, yeah. If I'd known that, it would have taken away, because I was watching it being like, ah, Bond will get out of this, he always does. And then Bond died, and I was like, oh, Jesus, didn't see that coming. So yeah. 
any film is better unspoiled. And also, I was thinking about this because we're coming up to 10 years since the Olympic opening ceremony um, in London. Now, there was not a single spoiler about that. And how much better was it? Because no one knew the Queen was going to parachute in or we were going to have any of those surprises. So I completely... Just, just in case anyone hasn't seen it, the Queen didn't actually parachute in. You don't know that? <laughs> Okay, it was made out that she did. I don't think she actually did. We have no proof, one way or the other. She's she's always kayfabed it. She's always it's like the Montreal screw job for her. She's always if ever the Queen's asked, did you parachute in? Did she not? She's like she's like Shawn Michaels in the early stages. D- yeah, definitely was me. Definitely was she, me. She's kayfabed. She's, she's old school with kayfabe. Is is the Queen very soft handshake? You see, she just so yes, they know she's a good yes. worker. Um, right. So that is going uh back to developmental. What's earning the push? Only the push is boiling water taps. Oh my god! My dad's. I'm at home. My dad's just had a new kitchen put in. We we've got a boiling water tap, and it's class. I don't have to wait for the kettle to boil. Doing well for yourself. Doing well, well for I, yourself. I, I, I'm not. Beckett Senior is. Just you just click it down, turn it one way, bang, boiling water. Incredible. Did you think I wasn't familiar with how a boiling water no, tap... No, 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 no. I know. I just. I'm just. Because you just... did just tell me what it was, and you even mined it. Well, different ones are used differently, Jack. We've got a, uh, oh what's it called? I don't know. I don't know the brand of it. But one of them, I remember going to um, an ex-girlfriend's house. I'd, I'd never seen a boiling water ke- um, tap before. I'd seen plenty of kettles tap before. I didn't realise it was a boiling water tap. And I managed to turn on the boiling water back so I was about to wash my hands. And her mum had to whack me out the way. I was like, oh, this hasn't gone well coming around for the first time. Uh, and thankfully it saved my hands. But that worked differently. You had to do, I'm going to do a funny uh, hand gesture here. You had to like... Push that down twice and twist it. Yeah, I know. I know what you're thinking. Very generous mime, if I say so myself. Yes, yes, yes. Trouble is, you're going to get home and you're going to, the kettle's going to just feel so, oh, so boring. I'm be so, I go home tonight, I'm, I'm going to get really angry because the kettle, I'm going to be well annoyed. You're, you're, you're becoming a different man. I mean, <laughs> bake off. Boiling water kettle, new slippers. I'm meant to be the old one on this podcast. Anyway, um, that's very fair. I'm going to give the push to something short and simple. The comedian Trevor Noah. Very, very funny guy. I saw you read his book this week. If you don't know, he hosts a daily show in the US. He's done lots of panel shows here. Always thought he was very funny. Went to the library, saw his book on the shelf, picked it up, read it. Took me, started one evening, read it yesterday. Absolutely brilliant. If you want to know what it was like for him, if you don't know, he's a South African comedian. He grew up in South Africa as apartheid was ending, and it was about his childhood. And it's nothing more than his childhood. And if you want an insight into what life in apartheid South Africa was like, go and read that book. It is it's very funny. It's shocking at points. You come out thinking his mum is a wonder. So that absolutely is going to get the push. Ah. I, I went through a phase probably about two or three years ago where I watched a lot of The Daily Show with Trevor because I like him a lot. He doesn't pull his punches. He calls people out on what, on what needs to be called out, and he's very, very funny. I remember him telling a story about, I don't know if he writes it in the book, about his favourite toy was a brick, and they all played with bricks in South Africa, and it, he tells it hilariously. And then you finish the end, you're like, that's so sad. It's just kids playing with bricks. It is, it is uh, I'll say spoiler warning again since we're on it, but spoiler warning, spoiler warning. He's spoken about this publicly before. His mum was a victim of horrendous domestic abuse to the extent she was shot by her now ex-husband and miraculously, miraculously came through with barely a scratch. And the way he tells that, it's a type of book where you're laughing at one moment and then you're absolutely shocked at the other. It's only 300 pages. You'll whiz through it. So I'm giving the push to Trevor Noah and pick up his book. It's called Born a Crime. Uh, back to developmental. 
God love anyone who has to do soft play with their children because, oh, oh. Now I have, um, uh, my best friend has a son. He's absolutely lovely. I love her to bits. I love doing things with them. I wouldn't forgo my time with them for the world. However, soft play, any parent, and my parents must have done it with me, who sat for an hour with their children at soft play, you can see the deadness in their eyes. They don't want to be there. They don't want to be there. Is that like is that like the Wacky Warehouse? No, it's a that's a, some are. This was we went to a cafe. There were lots of sort of soft toys there, and you sit and you just watch the kids put it up, push it down, and that's an hour of your time. And then other people's children come up to you, and you have to be nice to them. And I am nice to children, but you're just thinking, how do parents do it? How do parents do it? And then you've got to put the shoes on, the coat on, the shoes off, the coats off. The more I know about being a parent, the more I'm glad that it's biologically quite challenging for me. Yeah, it, it sounds like you're just sending parenting back to developmental by the sounds of it, like being a parent. This would go in both camps because being a parent, I think, must at some points feel like you want to go back to developmental. But also I'm giving the biggest push to any parent out there because having seen friends and family members with kids who I love to bits, I don't know how any parent does it. I just yeah. don't understand how you stay sane. Did you have wacky warehouses growing up in Cornwall? No, we didn't. No. Right, because I said this in the day to my other half, I mentioned the wacky warehouse. You looked at me like I was talking to the language. Do you know what a wacky warehouse was? No. I mean, is it a brand? Is it like a chain? Yeah, it's like a big soft softball pool player with slides and stuff. And there was always a cafe and then you, it was normally in a pub and you go and had pub tea after. But I don't think it was a southern thing. And it blew my mind that not everyone had wacky warehouses. You weren't used to at one point, from about the age of eight to ten, you went to a wacky warehouse birthday party every other weekend. We had we had probably a Cornish brand version of that. We had in, in where I live, Ben's Play World. Which... Yeah, that sounds very wacky warehouse. Yeah. I was I was a kid who just sat and read because I didn't Of course you were. It wasn't for me. The demon drop, I still don't understand how demon drops work. I look at those and physically I don't understand how you don't just come off the slide and fall face first. <laughs> I understand how kids just don't, like, facepalm like a Foley bump. I always used to come out of the wacky house with friction burns from the slide and stuff. That yeah. was me. Okay, well, look, we'll, um, do you want to give Wacky Warehouse an extra push in addition to hot water taps? Just, I just... I, boiling water taps, please, not hot water. Thank you, uh, every, every Most people have hot water taps. Uh, I just like a bit of respect put on the Wacky Warehouse name because I can't believe Southern people don't know what they are. Wouldn't you love it, and maybe someone does this, if there was a place where you could, as adults, book out... Oh, my God. Yes, let's get... Yeah, let's get drunk. I know you don't drink, but let's get drunk and go and be at Ben's Playhouse or whatever yours was called. <laughs> Ben's Playhouse sounds like a theatre. Ben's Playworld. I'd have been ah, happy sorry, sorry. at I Ben's so Playhouse. Okay. I was so far off. Look, before we come to blows on this, let's begin to wrap this one up. Uh, next week, we'll do my fantasy booking for a Hell in a Cell match uh, that culminates a current feud or a new one we're going to start. Uh, we'll be talking about Dynamite, about WWE, of course. Pick a name for me, Charlie, before we wrap up. Who is going to emerge as a challenger for Ronda Rousey on that depleted SmackDown women's division? Oh, uh, Sasha Banks somehow, because that's the only one I can think of wanting. I'm going to say it's Lacey Evans. I'm going to say they're going to whack her back on SmackDown. And despite doing all these brilliant promos where you feel for her, she's going to some reason be a heel because yes, needs must. Yes, of course. Of course she will. Well, we'll wrap this one up now. It's been a cracker as always. Our thanks to you for listening. Charlie underscore Beckett is him on Twitter. I'm Jack underscore Murley. We thank you for continuing to rate, review, subscribe, and share the love with other wrestling fans. For today, we are out of time. We'll see you next week on Earning the Push when we'll do it all again. But until then, bye-bye. <laughs>